You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the official free podcast of TheBarkBoard.com, your one-stop shop for all your Fresno State athletic news. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Bruce Gilry, being joined by the co-host of the show, the publisher of the Barkboard, Mr. Jackson Moore. Jackson, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Bruce. How are you? Oh, we're hanging in there. That was a nice, long, drug-out game <laughs> against Hawaii here at home. Think, thanks in part to that uh, lighting uh, delay that they had. Notice I said lighting, not, not lightning delay. <laughs> Uh, that makes two years back-to-back that the Bulldogs have had some sort of a delay against Hawaii. Uh, on the islands, it was due to lightning, and that one, I believe, was delayed by a good 45 minutes, I think. Here at Bulldog Stadium, it was delayed by officially 29 minutes, just long enough for them to actually uh, light up that whole panel again. Do you know what's kind of going on there? Because of, there's been you know, some talk of some issues with uh, power going over there at Bulldog Stadium. Yeah, you know, it sounded like there may have even been some concerns previously, and I believe Coach Tedford said on Monday that uh, there was lights in the suites under that light structure went out before the game, so they were kind of prepared something may happen over there. Um, but it sounded like they were kind of conscious of it and were prepared to uh, get it back up and running as quickly as possible, even though it felt like a lot longer than 29 minutes out on the field. <laughs> I guess it wasn't too bad. Yeah, there's. Uh, I think I heard somewhere that they they actually uh, to get prepared for this, they actually had some some uh, portable uh, generators ready to go just in case they were going to be needed. Uh, so they did know that there was something going on there, but they uh, they were trying to at least be prepared for it. So 29 minutes is actually not very long, but to us, like you said, down on the field, it it felt like a, an eternity, especially once the game got going again, we kept looking at the clock and thinking, Oh my God, this thing's going to finish at midnight. I mean, it just, it this seemed like that game was just going on forever. Didn't it Jackson? <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. I, it's, it didn't seem to hurt the tempo of the game at all. Once the Bulldogs came back on the field, they started firing on all cylinders again. Did you see any kind of effect that, that really, you know, had on either side of the ball? Yeah, you don't want to give Coach Detford and his staff time to make any adjustments. And I think that's what they went and did in the locker room. Uh, Bulldogs have dominated the third quarter, and this was almost like another halftime where they were able to come out, not only come out, but have the ball practically near the red zone when they did. They scored, got the ball back, and scored again right away. So you know, it felt like, to me, it worked very well in Fresno State's favor. I think eventually they would have started to pull away anyway, but uh, definitely made it more immediate. Now, for a high-powered offense like Hawaii has been throughout the season, they really looked a little bit confused against this Fresno State defense. Is that do you think some of those uh, that little extra time they got kind of helped them kind of figure out Hawaii fairly quickly after seeing them for a portion of the game and then getting a chance to kind of make their adjustments? Did that kind of play a little bit of a factor? You think? Yeah, it may have. Because uh, Hawaii came right out the very first play, they hit a pretty deep pass and. But uh-oh, yeah. <laughs> this one might be interesting. Uh, but yeah, they, after that, they were pretty solid. They gave up one big play in the first half. But otherwise, uh, I think the biggest thing was that they shut down the run. They quite never got their shovel passes going either. And it was basically just you know <laughs> them trying to establish the run and not getting anywhere and being in poor passing situations where Bulldogs were just able to drop back and take care of business. Yeah, it just it seemed like this game, um, the Bulldogs had this one well in hand uh, once they kind of got a feel for that Hawaii offense. And uh, yeah, it, I was with you. As soon as I saw that first opening play <laughs> going down the field, I'm like, oh, no, we're, we're in for a long <laughs> night of back and forth. I was already planning on having to sprint down the field back and forth just to get footage on this game. Uh, but it seemed like it kind of settled down and it really became one sided as the game started to progress. Uh, but offensively, I mean, what kind of a grade, if you had to put a grade on this one, uh, you know, A being the best, you know, and, you know, just like a regular school grade, where would the Bulldogs land uh, offensively against uh, against Hawaii on this one? Yeah, I'd give them an A. You know, 50 points is never a bad thing. Uh, <laughs> even though special teams helped out with that big kick six there before halftime, that was <laughs> something else. But, yeah, I mean, they McMarion had another big day, four touchdown passes, the four different receivers. It was they were so comfortable. They threw a couple 
passes to Keyshawn Johnson there just to get him over the record. And um, the running game was a lot better. Finally had the big run of the season. The Ronnie Rivers going 76 yards. Bulldogs haven't had a run of over 27 yards, I think, all season long. So progress in the running game. And they did it with a, a last-minute switch on the offensive line, too. They had to pull Cyrus Tuatelli to an, due to an injury and start Dante Bull for his first career start. Uh, defense, Waylon Free was a big uh, – they switched the defense around to put five defensive backs to defend Hawaii's offense. And Waylon Free played a whole lot more than we've seen from him this year, too. So, uh, But particularly on the offense, uh, hard to complain too much about what they did. No, obviously this this offense is is starting to look like they're they're starting to gel even better now at this point in the season, which could bode well for the Bulldogs um, if they're able to start getting that run game going. That this offense is really going to be even more potent heading down the rest of the of the schedule here. Getting the running game going was huge for the Bulldogs this week, um, especially with Ronnie Rivers. It, it seems like he's back at full strength again, and he just seems to add a whole nother dimension to the Bulldogs when he's in there. Not only does does he look good, but once he's in there and starts opening up things, he starts opening up things for Josh Hokett, who has struggled uh, somewhat this season. Uh, he seemed to to start gaining some strength throughout this game. Um, and, and then the other running backs, as they came in, seemed to, to find a little bit more room, just like Jordan Mims was able to find some space as well. It just seems like when Ronnie Rivers is in there, this offense is more potent. Is that the same kind of a feel that you're getting, the same kind of look that you think you're getting that I see going into this one? Yeah, he's got the ability to break the big one. Um, we haven't seen that kind of run all season long. Um, Jordan Mims has caught a few passes that he's taken the distance, but yeah, Ronnie, you just feel a little bit more like he's got that ability to get to the next level of the defense on just about any play. And um, I think he's had some probably opportunities, too, in the past few games that he'll be now healthy enough and more comfortable enough to take advantage of in future games where we'll see that a little more often, too. Now, McMarion still seems to, to look like he's very comfortable in this offense, especially not getting sacked very often. Um, and this offensive line kind of was a little bit of a patchwork this upcoming game. Uh, they had to uh, replace Cyrus Tuatelli, who was on the line, who uh, somehow got some sort of an injury during the week at practice, uh, and replaced by Dante Bull. And, you know, watching him, how'd you feel Bull did in, in as far as fitting in on that offensive line last minute there? Do you think he, he held his own against the, the, the defensive line there? Yeah, absolutely. And Hawaii has the, they didn't have their star linebacker who's, racks up all the tackles, but they've got a defensive end that's like top in the conference and sacks and tackles for loss. And Dante got matched up against them a few times. And uh, the big thing for Dante Bull, uh, it wasn't a perfect game by him by any means, but he didn't give up any big ones. He didn't give up a sack or any tackles for loss. And that's, I mean, that can be a liability when you plug in an offensive lineman that doesn't have much experience. It, it can happen quick. And <laughs> he didn't give one up all game long, but on the other side, it wasn't a perfect game. He, I talked to him in practice this week, and he admitted it was a little bit sloppy on film, and he knows he's got a lot to work on. But the main uh, idea was that he did his job well enough to keep the offense rolling. And he's a big boy. Yeah. So watching <laughs> watching him in there uh, doing his thing, he's only going to get better, and that's good for the Bulldogs. And he's he seems to be able to throw people around, from what I could tell. Um, and... The, the the thing with Bull is he's very nimble. That guy can move quick for his size, which uh, in, you know, this day and age, that's a good thing when the big guys are just as fast as some of the little guys. So it, it does help out. And, um, I you know, I, I'd love to see him kind of go in there, as, as, you know, sneak in as a running back eventually, <laughs> just like. Just like, you know, the refrigerator Perry did in his day. That that would be a sight to see. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I've seen a couple of goal line packages where he lines up in the backfield. But, you know, will we ever see it? I don't know. So uh, it's um, it, it's a good thing to see that kind of a, kind of a matchup there and able to kind of move around some puzzle pieces. Defensively, the Bulldogs seem to be on fire. Uh, still 
ranked at the top of the nation, if not the top. Uh, I'm not really sure where they're at this week, but they seem to, to to still hold on and be one of the best defenses in all of the nation. Um, and they, if if they can con- can continue that streak, it should be a very very good thing for the Bulldogs, especially heading in. Uh, this week they face the UNLV, so it's not going to be the biggest biggest challenge for them. But they still have to head in the following week to Boise and then come back home against San Diego State. Two very potent offenses. Is this defense ready for those type of matches uh, after what you've seen so far throughout this season? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're just stopping everyone. And <laughs> 20 points against Hawaii is not a bad performance either. One of those came at the end, too. So um, they knocked the Bulldogs back to fourth in the scoring defense rankings at 13.5 points per game in the nation. Um, so it hurt him a little bit, but there's nothing wrong with being number four, fourth best defense <laughs> in the whole country. I'm sure, Fresno State is uh, okay with that. Um, yeah, uh, I don't see an offense on this schedule. Maybe Boise State is the one team that kind of does a little bit of everything effectively. Um, UNLV that has actually put up some big points the last few weeks and a lot of stats as well, but. You can say the same thing about Hawaii, the same thing about Nevada, the same thing about New Mexico, and the Bulldogs have shut down all those teams. And then looking down the road, uh, San Diego State is a team that doesn't do much on offense anyway. And the San Jose State is kind of sporadic right now. They got their first win last week against UNLV, of all teams. And uh, <laughs> it seems like from one week to the next, they're either putting up a lot of points or not much at all. So. Fresno State, uh, again, I think Boise State's the one maybe team that's got enough balance to make it a challenge, but otherwise they should be in good shape throughout the rest of the regular season. Given what what has happened to Boise State this season, where they've struggled against uh, the likes of Nevada uh, and uh, Air Force last, I think they struggled against Air Force last week, right? Mm. So does that give a blueprint for the Bulldogs on how to, to face Boise State coming in here and uh, going there in the next couple of weeks? I think so. Uh, something with that defense. They're not the same kind of Boise State defense we're used to. Uh, the Mountain West Championship game was the 17-14 kind of defensive struggle a little bit. Um, the, the offense of theirs is still clicking pretty well, but uh, they don't seem to be the whole well-rounded, full-package team that we're used to seeing from Boise State. And, I'm sure they're going to dig into that film and see how other teams are taking advantage of them the way they weren't taking advantage of last year. I tell you what, they need to get it figured out before the Bulldogs come to town because, uh, (laughs) you know, one thing we've seen so far from the Bulldogs this season is they're able to adjust and and exploit some of those uh, some of those weaknesses on other teams. And uh, if Boise, let's just keep our fingers crossed, if Boise can't figure it out within the next week or so, it should bode well for the Bulldogs. Um, but moving forward here, players of the game, you know, who stood out for you? Let's start off with the offense. Who stood off out for you on the offense? Yeah, it was a pretty well-rounded performance. You had Ronnie Rivers have the first 100-yard game uh, rushing for the Bulldogs all season. That was big. Marcus McMarion had another great game, four touchdowns, no picks. Great job by him. Keyshawn Johnson, well, surprisingly, wasn't one of the four receivers that scored a touchdown, but he did. Uh, have a big day himself and got enough catches to get uh, into the record books at passing up Devontae Adams for reception for the Bulldog career, even though Devontae did it in two years. But (laughs) (laughs) otherwise, I mean, yeah, it's hard to pick just one. It was uh, a true combination of uh, all the elements of the offense. Okay, so offense, yeah, I I see that. Okay, so how about defense? The defense... Defense uh, is going to be a little bit harder for you to kind of choose from all the different uh, plays that happened there. So who who's the w- one player that stood out, stood out head and shoulders over everybody else? Yeah, uh, but again, another team effort. Um, I think I'll give it to Juju Hughes because he picked off Cole, uh, Cole McDonald, and that's not easy to do. He had 29 touchdowns and three picks coming into the game. And uh, Hughes got him. Not only did he get him, but it was against uh, John Ursua, Hawaii's best receiver, who's leading the nation in yards, receptions, touchdowns for for most of the season. Uh, I've seen Hughes after practice working on those picks. He worked with the quarterback trying to pull down some passes. So uh, it paid off in that game. And Juju was also out of position. He was basically the 
he was in the defense's linebacker slot as outside linebacker, but he was the fifth DB and um, he adjusted well and came up with the big play. Okay, yeah, and Juju, if I'm not mistaken, almost had two in that game. Yeah, uh, one came his way and he was just out of reach for it off off of a tip play. So uh, Juju is, it, I I agree with you on that one. He was the it was one of the players to watch. Now we're going uh, this week. We're going to add another element. We're going to go special teams. <laughs> And, you know, what can you say? There's only going to be one play there that you're going to pick from. So, <laughs> you know, player of the game, special teams. Yeah, Jameer Jordan, that was <laughs> something else. That's going to be remembered for a long time in Bulldog Stadium history. A kick six. It's funny. Uh, Coach Hedford says they practice that every Friday. And <laughs> he said he's he's practiced it for a long time. And he couldn't remember if it had ever even come up. It's something that he might practice every Friday and only see once every five years or something like that. But that's the kind of coach Tedford is. He's got all these different scenarios in the back of the players' minds of how to execute when they come up. And that was the perfect example. Jameer Jordan caught the ball. Uh, we just took off down the sideline. It seemed like there wasn't a Hawaii defender in sight. He got a block or two, but he was gone and scored. And that was really huge, too, at that point in time because it was only a, I believe it was an 11 or 10 or 11 point game, and then Hawaii got stopped to a field goal. Bulldogs scored a touchdown. It, Hawaii got stopped to another field goal, which turned into seven points for the Bulldogs. So that was like a 11 point swing right there before halftime. So that was pretty impressive. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was actually fun to watch because even I didn't even notice that there was a Bulldog back by the goal line. Uh, and once that ball came down, and all of a sudden I said, "Oh, wait a minute!" And and then it was wide open down that sideline for him. And the Bulldogs were waiting. There were They had a number of Bulldogs sitting there already providing him a wall <laughs> of blockers. Yeah. So he, he had nothing but daylight all the way from, from one end zone to the other. It, it was amazing to watch. If you haven't seen it yet, it is all over the web. Uh, it is all over ESPN highlights. Uh, you're able to find that in one form or another. Even just go to YouTube or just go to Twitter or something. You'll, you'll be able to find it somewhere. And the Bulldogs were able to to really make a splash nationally with that one play, <laughs> got them a lot of play. And speaking of nationally, Jackson, after this game and the the updated uh, rankings came out, the Bulldogs were finally able to crack the top top twenty five in both the AP and coaches poll. And so, where does that land the Bulldogs right now? Yeah, the Bulldogs came in at 20 in the AP poll and 23 in the coaches. And, you know, I, when the week started, I didn't think the Bulldogs would crack it for another week or two, maybe even take that Boise State win to get in. But when 11 teams, I believe it was, in the top 25 <laughs> all lose, and then some of the other teams that you're around with the others getting votes, some of those teams fell, like San Diego State. I mean, there was no way to keep the Bulldogs out of the top 25 after all that. And all the way up to number 20 and the AP poll is pretty impressive. And it should set the table where they keep winning and teams ahead of them drop some games. They could climb pretty high by the end of the season. So that would be nice. But the big one, of course, was the college football playoff poll where even though the Bulldogs weren't ranked as high at 23, they're a lot more advantageous compared to where the other teams are or aren't. Yeah, and that kind of opens the door for the Bulldogs now if they're able to take care of business from this point on and win out the rest of the season, um, they are in good position to possibly make that New Year's Bowl. But we're not going to count our, you know, count our chickens ahead of time here because they still need to get through Boise State, San Diego State. Uh, and even though uh, San Jose State is only has one game on the season. Notoriously, they're always a tough game for the Bulldogs, one way or another, regardless of their standings. Uh, so now the Bulldogs just need to take care of business and then get into the Mountain West Championship game and take care of business there again and hope that there, there's only three other teams ahead of them. Um, right now would be U Utah State, uh, UCF, and Houston are the other three teams that the Bulldogs are now uh, competing with in order for that New Year's Day Bowl. Should those teams stumble on the way there, one of those teams we know could stumble would be Utah State if the Bulldogs face them <laughs> uh, in the championship game. If the Bulldogs can defeat them in the championship game, that's one team out. So we already know that at this point, 
it'll be down to two other teams ahead of them, which will be uh, Houston and UCF. Those those schools could potentially drop out, and the Bulldogs could find themselves in a New Year's Bowl. What would that mean for this program? Yeah, that would be huge. And uh, Tuesday's college football playoff poll was big because Houston and Utah State are ranked ahead of Fresno State in the AP and the coaches poll, and the college football playoff committee just left them out entirely to the top 25. And suddenly now Fresno State's in the number two spot of getting that bowl game. Um, but there are going to be some other variables where even if UCF loses, do they fall far enough? If it's Houston that beats UCF, does Houston pass the Bulldogs? And so there's still a, it's not quite a guarantee. But um, the biggest thing probably is that uh, that poll is going to decide home field advantage if Fresno State and Utah State keep winning. And that's big because the Bulldogs would much rather be in Bulldog Stadium on December 1st than in Logan, Utah. And that will definitely help the Bulldogs' cause of trying to sneak into that, that New Year's Six Bowl. Well, the, not only do the Bulldogs um, will enjoy that, so will we. Yeah. That means we don't have to travel to Utah State for the Mountain West Championship. <laughs> and that's something that we would love to happen, would be that bowl game, that, that championship game to be here in Fresno. As of right now, it is the Bulldogs to lose. Mm-hmm. And because they are ranked in, in the, the BCS uh, bowl rankings there, that means it's going to be very hard for Utah Utah State to to jump them in that, isn't it? Yeah, and especially the biggest game on both of these team schedules is at Boise State. So they're going to get the same credit for that. I mean, I guess if the committee has to split hairs, they can see who wins that game by more if they both win, of course. But, I mean, with Fresno State, they obviously like something more with the Bulldogs than they do with Utah State compared to the other polls. And, Fresno State's also going to get the game against San Diego State, which isn't as big with the Aztecs losing to Nevada, but it's still going to be, when you look at those two team schedules, the next biggest game, and that's going to make it even tougher for the Aggies to have a chance to leapfrog the Bulldogs. So as of right now, the Bulldogs are officially in first place in all of the Mountain West Conference. <laughs> so that that is good news as far as the championship is concerned, and now it is the Bulldogs in the driver's seat as of this point on, which is good. We like having them in the driver's seat. <laughs> it just means that they just have to take care of business from this point on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that being said, before we start, you know, hashing hairs and all that other stuff in the Mountain West and what's going on out there in the nation, Bulldogs still have to get through UNLV. And that is this weekend. Both Jackson and I are going to be in attendance and that, that one to get you all the coverage that you, that you'll need. And, how do you see the Bulldogs matching up against this one? Um, notoriously, UNLV has been in Fresno has been Fresno State's thorn in their side in the last couple of years. Do you see that happening again this year? Uh, you know, it's, it's funny because their schedule is. I mean, their record up to this point is pretty bad. They're two and six. Their wins are against UTEP, who I believe is zero and eight, and they have an FCS win over Prairie View A and M. And it just seems like the distance between these two teams is monstrous but if you look at last year's resumes coming into that game it's very similar uh, Fresno State uh, had come off of a win against San Diego State and were in the driver's seat in the Mountain West West Division and uh, U- UNLV had again they were only had two wins and they had lost to Howard of the FCS they had beaten one of their wins was against Idaho and I believe the other win was against San Jose State so their the resumes are very similar and so it's hard to write the Rebels off because obviously they put together the recipes that was needed to beat the Bulldogs last year on the road, of all things. And they've got some sort of idea of what they need to do with this one as well. The, whether they can execute it or not is a whole different story, though. <laughs> um, I just think Fresno State has got so much more talent. They're so, they, they execute so much better. I think last year's game was an anomaly. and uh, The big thing that the Rebels were able to do were to limit possessions. The Bulldogs only had the ball, I think, eight times, and like three of them were in the fourth quarter where they were kind of in desperation mode down a score or two. So as long as Fresno State gets on it early, makes UNLV kind of play from behind, they'll run away with it. They just have to avoid letting the Rebels run clock and make this game short. So UNLV, basically, if if we think about it, UNLV last year was uh, Fresno State's Minnesota this year. 
yeah. uh, where they kind of just couldn't figure it out and get it put together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so having that hump of, you know, already taken care of early on in the season and the Bulldogs learned from that mistake should help them going in against the UNLV. And frankly, this team, they've got a lot of confidence going into this game mm-hmm. that they should be able to kind of take care of business against UNLV, who is, uh, well, for lack of a better term, has struggled all season long just trying to figure out how to get the ball into the end zone. Uh, against this defense, I don't see it happening much. <laughs> what do you think, Jackson? Yeah, and they've had a, an unusual scenario where their starting quarterback got hurt, and now their passing game has improved <laughs> because <laughs> the previous quarterback was a running quarterback. They just ran the ball, read option. All, all Sounds games. like Nevada yeah. a few years back. <laughs> <laughs> and now this next quarterback, he's athletic too, but he's a lot more of a passer. And I think they put up 50 attempts last weekend. I mean, they're ready to air out the ball and, and try attempt to have a shootout. but. Uh, this is also a quarterback that threw three interceptions last weekend at San Jose State, and uh, the Bulldogs are going to be looking to take advantage of those interceptions. It seems like this quarterback is not going to be nearly as conservative as what the Bulldogs saw from UNLV last year and what ultimately helped the Rebels get over the top. And and I think the the Rebels are going to have quite a hard time against this Fresno State offense, who looks like last week got every uh, piece of the game put together and they are clicking at the moment, especially if that running game is back where it needs to be. It's going to make it all that much more difficult for UNLV to defend against this uh, offense at Fresno State. And McMarion seems to be very sharp. Uh, you've got you've got Rice at the tight end who is tearing it up week after week now <laughs> since that Minnesota game. I think it kind of woke him up a little bit, <laughs> didn't you? Uh, so things are being very difficult for defenses to defend against the, this Fresno State team who seems to be on fire lately. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I see enough from UNLV to stop this offense. Uh, I mean, it, it just looks like this offense should be able to put up points and put them up easily against this uh, UNLV team. Is that the same kind of consensus you're coming to? Yeah, I mean, UNLV has not been uh, uh, very successful on defense this year. They gave up a ton of points to San Jose State last weekend. Um, They're giving up 467 yards a game. That's number 115 in the nation. 39 points per game allowed. That's number 121. Oh, boy. Yeah, and they're last in the conference and. Points per allowed per game, rushing yards per game, third down defense, all things that Fresno State has been very successful at as of late. Um, yeah, uh, this is a prime game for Fresno State's offense to take advantage. And Hawaii's coach Nick Rolovich said after the last weekend's game that this team just doesn't have any weaknesses. <laughs> uh, it's a lot better to be good in all three phases compared to a team like Hawaii's that has been really reliant on their offense and. UNLV has been very reliant on their offense as well. hasn't gotten them very far. So the Bulldogs, they, they, they've got enough all around the board where it's hard to see them fall to a team like this. Well, and right now, about the weakest point on this Fresno State team is the kicking spot. Yeah. Uh, that is definitely a spot that even Coach Tedford has admitted that things need to get better and they need to get better in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... I don't know. I don't know if they they're going to have any answers at that kicking spot. What do you think, Jackson? Yeah, I mean it's pretty much up to Asa Fuller. Uh, he's missed a few extra points. That's the probably the biggest concern because if you're in a tight game, that that one point can be a problem. Uh, the field goals, Coach Tedford wasn't necessarily as concerned about, and Fuller's even been kind of working through a, a hip injury. It sounds like uh, he hasn't had to attempt a lot of field goals. I think. Last week against Hawaii was by far the most we've seen of them. Um, so you hope that it doesn't cost them an extra point game, and you hope the Bulldogs don't need to go down to a, a game-winning field goal because he just hasn't. There hasn't even been a, a need for him to be in that situation yet this season. He's he's had the luxury of a a, a very potent offense yeah. this season to where he doesn't really need to try very many field goals. But there's going to be the that one game that's going to rear its ugly head throughout during the season where they're going to need the field goal kicker to to kind of uh, take control of the game. Um, and it could very well be in a couple of weeks uh, against Boise. That might be where the kicking game is really going to be a needed you know, part of the offense uh, going forward. And if, if they're not able to get this, this 
figured out. Bulldogs could could have some trouble coming up in a couple of weeks, especially with the kicking game not being where it needs to be. But your key matchups, what do you see here? What are going to be some of the places that the Bulldogs are going to be able to take advantage of against uh, UNLV's? Uh, let, let's start off with their with their offense. What what can the defense take advantage of to take away this offense? Yeah, the biggest thing for me is um, the turnover factor. Uh, Bulldogs have played some teams that are kind of conservative and don't give up too many turnovers, like a Wyoming, that they had to kind of muscle out that win. UNLV is going to be aggressive in their passing game, and I think that's going to backfire. Uh, we saw last year when the Rebels beat the Bulldogs, they basically just ran between the tackles and hit those quick passes, ran the clock off the board, and their 26 points was more than enough to get the win. I don't see the same thing out of this team, and I think if they are going to be throwing the ball that much, if Fresno State can get some turnovers, it's going to blow this game out a lot sooner and, and avoid any sort of upset concerns. Yeah, so it's going to be – it should be an, a fairly good matchup there against that offense. Uh, defensively, the Bulldogs just have too much. I think they're just going to be able to kind of take advantage of this of this offense against UNLV. Now, flipping the table, Fresno State's offense versus UNLV's defense looks like it's – Another mismatch here. <laughs> what, what do they do to take advantage of this? Yeah, UNLV is a team that has especially struggled in the running games, and I think this is another chance for Fresno State to get their running game going again. Uh, again, we saw last week was a first as far as uh, the 100-yard rushing game from Ronnie Rivers and one of the team's best uh, yards per carry performances of the season, particularly when you get a 70-yard run, certainly helps that, <laughs> that cause. Oh, that, that helps. <laughs> yeah. And that's something that they haven't had about all year. And that, It makes your yards per carry look kind of ugly if you don't get those <laughs> over the course of a season. So this is another one I think the Bulldogs will have their way in the running game and then set up Marcus McMarion to do his thing, get his 20 completions and three or four touchdowns and call it a night. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that's just it. We we did get to see uh, Jorge Reina come in mm-hmm. for a little bit there, and it, it's always good to see Reina come in because that helps settle the nerves for him uh, throughout the season. Which he's the guy next season. Yeah. So you know, the more reps you can get in for him, the better off he's going to be. Is this going to be another one of those opportunities where we may be able to see uh, Reina there in the fourth quarter? Yeah, it could be, and it's been nice when Reina goes in because they actually let him throw the ball. <laughs> Most teams, they get that second quarterback in, and, and it's, it's just and off. yeah, and off. <laughs> exactly. And off. Uh, so it's been nice, and it's kind of Reina's been there early enough to where it's not quite running up the score at that point. So that's a, a positive, and I think this will be another time for him to get another opportunity like that. Yeah, and and it's uh, it's good to see him get in there. Now, what we haven't seen much of is some of these players who. We know are going to redshirt, but we haven't seen them come in and play much. Could this be one of their final opportunities to actually let some of these players come in and, and kind of get some work in before the season's out? Yeah, the the challenging part is that it's a road game, so the they're kind of constrained on how many players they can take. Um, as you mentioned, it's gonna this may be one of the the last opportunities because you're gonna get Boise State and San Diego State. You're not gonna game plan those two with the idea of playing some freshmen, but you may see some of those guys in uniform against San Jose State, perhaps at the season finale. And then as fall works well, you've got a conference championship and a bowl game. So um, there's not very many of the freshmen that are kind of at the point where they could be playing and they're being held back because of that rule. I think Sherwin King's probably the only one, the freshman linebacker. He's on the two deep, but he's only been in one game. And I think they realize they can get by without putting them in too much. And maybe we'll see him the last three games because they'll be able to let him loose. But other than that, most of the freshmen are pretty far behind. And it's not really a knock on them. It's just this team is so deep and so experienced. Yeah, and, and the only other player that probably would have had a chance uh, got hurt, Amoria Edwards. Yeah. Uh, he probably would have been the next player that probably would have got a chance to get in and, and get some work in before the season was out but he is out with a foot injury and will not return by the end of the season. So he is one that's been scratched off the list as far as trying to get him in and get some, get some uh, play time this season. So, which is, which is a bad thing for Edwards because he's using his red shirt on a, uh, on an injury. Mm-hmm. 
uh, versus, you know, just using his red shirt to go in and do whatever he needs to do. Uh, but now the Bulldogs will have that last opportunity. Maybe this, maybe they might get some players that they were going to redshirt that were sophomores or, or some juniors that haven't even got any playing time yet. And they might get those guys in there a little bit and, and be able to kind of, kind of get them some experience in case they need them in the future and then maybe play them again against San Jose state. <laughs> Those are probably the last two opportunities they're going to get to try and, and work some of these players with less experience to try and get them up to par where they need to be. But first they got to get through you and all these. And then once that is taken care of here, then the Bulldogs can start looking a little bit ahead to Boise and San Diego state. Boise again last week struggled against Air Force, which is not surprising. Notoriously, Air Force is Boise State's thorn in their side. I don't know what it is, if it's that triple wing key or whatever they call it, the triple option. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's that that causes the the issues for Boise State, but they always seem to struggle against Air Force, especially when they have to travel to go play Air Force. And it, it makes things a little bit interesting in this in this race coming up. Now, breaking down the Mountain West now, Jackson, as we've been doing the last couple of weeks, right now it looks like the Mountain Division is all t- is is pretty much done. It's between Utah State and Boise now. Uh, all the other teams have got too many losses in order to make a difference and and competing for that Mountain West championship. You've got Utah State at four and zero in conference and Boise State at four and one. So those are the two teams that are going to be competing for that spot of the Mountain Division. Now, the West Division, this is a little bit more interesting because there's still four teams who all still have a shot at it who are not out of it. Fresno State at the top at 4-0. and Then you've got San Diego State at 3-1. and Hawaii is still in it after losing last week at 3-2. and And Nevada has made a comeback and still has a shot at it at 3-2. and but in order for those other teams to get in, Fresno State needs to, well, pretty much trip up the last two to three games and mm-hmm. lose in order for them to kind of leapfrog them, which I don't see that happening. The only one team right now that I think is going to be the challenge, the challenger for the West Division is San Diego State at the moment. Unless San Diego State trips up again, which they could very well do the way that they've been playing lately. Do you see that? happening moving forward here in the Mountain West division? Uh, I don't. Um, I mean, if San Diego State keeps winning, then it's basically the West Championship and Bulldog Stadium on November 17th <laughs> because even with that loss that San Diego State has, if they beat Fresno State, then they've got the tiebreaker. So there could be a lot riding on that game. And Just like when Fresno State lost to UNLV last year and still won the division, uh, San Diego State's loss to Nevada doesn't really matter a whole lot in terms of winning the title. It's more so a national perception. Um, uh, Fresno State, actually, if they beat San Diego State and they just get like one other win, <laughs> they pretty much lock up the division. Uh, they'll have the tiebreaker over all three of the other schools that are sitting at two losses right now. And I imagine they'll see another loss or two. Um, so it's pretty much for Fresno State. You hope they take care of Boise State on the road, but they can still get in that championship game, no problem, if they drop to the Broncos. But on the other side, Boise State falls against Fresno State. That may pretty much eliminate them from the title game unless Utah State trips up because Boise State's had to play both Fresno State and San Diego State. Utah State doesn't have to play either of those two, so they're skating through, and they could possibly have the division clinched before they even go to play the Boise State Broncos if Fresno State can take them out on the blue turf. Now, this week, Utah State is facing Hawaii. Uh, where is that one being held? Is it being held here or in Hawaii? It's in Hawaii. In Hawaii. Could that pose a, a, a problem for, for Utah State if Hawaii is able to kind of figure things out? You know, Utah State is rolling pretty strong like Fresno State is. I think they're like 25-point favorites on the road there against Hawaii. I have a hard time seeing it happen. Um, the biggest thing there is that Hawaii's defense, as we saw, has got a lot of holes in Utah State's offenses. <laughs> Man, they, they put up 49 in the first half against New Mexico last weekend, and I can see them putting up a whole lot more on Hawaii, too. Yeah, and then you've got San Diego State, who's facing New Mexico, 
which shouldn't pose too much of a challenge for San Diego State. Uh, but Boise State, on the other hand, this week uh, played Boy- uh, BYU, who is also been notoriously another team that seems to uh, uh, give Bo- the Broncos a lot of fit. Does BYU have enough to kind of challenge B- or Boise State in this one? Yeah, BYU has looked a lot stronger the last couple of weeks, uh, and they fell to Utah State by a pretty significant margin a few weeks back. But since then, they've changed quarterbacks. They they sure let uh, Hawaii have it a couple of weeks ago. Um, they did fall to Northern Illinois 7-6, which was a little odd this past weekend. But um, they're certainly capable of competing with Boise State. And it'll be interesting because the Broncos have already lost the home to San Diego State. They've got home games against Fresno State and Utah State where they might be underdogs. And now BYU is a, uh, certainly a, a significant challenger. So we've never seen the Broncos drop multiple home games if like it could line up this year. So they're going to really want to get this win against BYU and then only six days to prepare for the Bulldogs after that. Now, the way things are shaking out so far uh, for the Mountain West, there could be potentially seven. There could potentially be seven teams uh, who could be bowl eligible right now. One, two, three, four, five. No, six teams. There could potentially be six teams bowl eligible once bowl season starts. Is there going to be enough bowl games for everybody? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's. Uh, Mountain West only has five secure bowl tie-ins, but they've got at least two kind of backfills where if the Pac-12 doesn't have a team or something, they get one of those. And I think if you're Fresno State, you want to get as many bowl teams eligible as possible because one of those matchups might line up for something that looks better than maybe the Las Vegas Bowl. Um, we've seen in the past the bowl in San Francisco has looked at the Mountain West when there's a considerable team that stepped up that year. Uh, the Cheese it Bowl, the one in Arizona. <laughs> Cheese it there. Uh, that's going to be a game against the Power Five team. They may be looking for a Mountain West team to fill that. Um, but right now, it looks like Fresno State probably, if they win the conference, will be headed to the Las Vegas Bowl, which is usually a good matchup and something that Mountain West usually doesn't turn down with their champion, um, unless UCF beats Fallen and Fresno State can get into that big time New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, and yeah, this is all theoretically if the Bulldogs don't get into that New Year's Bowl, which you know everybody is crossing their fingers for, but it uh, it is not guaranteed at the moment. Uh, you know, Bulldogs are going to need a little bit of help, even if they are able to take care of business throughout the season. But you know, potentially the Mountain West right now is looking fairly good at getting enough bowl eligible teams to kind of help. Uh, bolster the resume of the Bulldogs, which is something good that everybody wants. We want the teams that Bulldogs are playing to keep winning in order to help them in the rankings. So um, all eyes on UCLA and Minnesota. (laughs) 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 You know, those guys need to to turn it up and start winning some of these games, uh, especially UCLA, and start knocking off some of those Pac-12 high-profile teams. That'll help the resume of the Bulldogs well but yeah it's 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 starting to the bowl picture is starting to get into focus just a little bit not quite there yet but getting there bulldogs are bowl eligible so at this point all they need to do even if they don't win another game throughout the season they're pretty much guaranteed to get into a bowl game right now so um is is has the bulldogs done enough to start impressing some of these guys who don't otherwise see the Bulldogs on the East Coast until very either very late at night or or the next day. Mm-hmm. Are they doing enough to kind of get recognized here? Yeah, I mean, especially the last two weeks, they put up the kind of scores that'll catch your eye. Uh, they got Kirk Herbstreet that really gave the Bulldogs some good publicity <laughs> and kind of opened some eyes there to people that weren't staying up late enough to see what the Bulldogs were doing. And uh, you've had teams like San Diego State and Boise State that typically get those top 25 votes losing enough to, to drop out. And now they've got to look who else in the Mountain West this is, is performing. And right now it's Fresno State and Utah State. Um, so, yeah. And then, of course, the committee, big props to the Bulldogs by ranking them and not Utah State and Houston. That tells me that they see something they really like in the Bulldogs. And they're really hesitant to show much attention to the group of five schools in that ranking, too. Um, so right now, 
can't really ask for too much more with what the Fresno State Bulldogs are getting in terms of the national perception. Right now, all the Bulldog fans need to start uh, getting their fruit baskets and sending them to Kirk yeah. Herbstreit. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't for him, I think the Bulldogs wouldn't be ranked as high in the AP poll as they are this week. Because uh, he did, you know, he did open up a lot of eyeballs once he started making those comments and started breaking down some of the stats the Bulldogs have been doing. I think that really kind of got the attention of some of these uh, Associated Press pollers uh, and really got them thinking Bulldogs. Once, once you know, this past week happened of uh, 11 top 25 teams just all falling apart. It opened. It pretty much opened the door for the Bulldogs, and they just ran right through it uh, and moved along in the rankings. So the Kurt Herbstreit went a long way to kind of uh, get the Bulldogs into that position. All they had to do was win this week, and I thought that they were going to get ranked, but I did not think they were going to jump as high as they did, mm. uh, which is something that really uh, yeah, makes me happy. Mm. It, it, it's there. Now the question is, is how are the Bulldogs going to continue to kind of improve that and move things up? They need to go out and pretty much annihilate UNLV. <laughs> right, Jackson? Yeah, and they take care of business in that way, and then it's just a matter of who falls ahead of them because I don't see the Bulldogs slipping much in the polls as long as they take care of business. So kind of a scoreboard watching to see how far they can rise. Yeah, so right now just ahead of Fresno State is Iowa uh, you got Utah State, Houston, Utah, Texas. Uh, so those are the, the the next five teams ahead of the Bulldogs. Uh, Iowa, it could be a potential for them to kind of stumble a little bit. They're going uh, up against Purdue this week, uh, which could could potentially have something happen there. We all know what's going on with Utah State. They're facing Hawaii, uh, unless the Hawaii can kind of put it together. I don't see that one changing. Um, Houston is going to be facing uh, SMU now. SMU, I haven't, I don't know much about them. Do you know much about SMU, Jackson? Uh, I know they've got some offense, but I don't think they've won too many games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from what I can tell here, um, let me see if I can pull that up real quick. Houston, no, no, not able to pull up much. Oh yeah, here we go. Um, they did face uh, North Texas, lost, lost to TCU, lost to Michigan State or Michigan. They they barely beaten the uh, Navy in overtime, um, and put up an impressive uh, performance uh, against uh, uh, who is that? Against Houston Baptist. So that's a Division two team, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, lost to UCF and beat Tulane and lost to Cincinnati in overtime. So eh, it depends on which team shows up, I guess. <laughs> uh, they, they've been able to kind of put a couple of good games together, but I don't see them posing much of a threat to Houston. Then you've got Utah, who this week, they're going to be facing Arizona State. Now, depending on which team shows up for Arizona, that could be an interesting matchup as well. Arizona State has had its... It, fair amount of issues this season as well and then lastly texas this week texas will be facing number 15 texas will be facing number 12 uh west virginia so this one has potential of texas losing could if they do lose would they drop far enough to drop below fresno state i know that's a loss that probably wouldn't hurt him too bad but at some point you get some of these power five teams that have three losses and it's hard to justify some of them over a one-loss team like Fresno State, and then uh, and then I just checked the next team right above them as well is Penn State. They're going to be facing number five Michigan, mm-hmm. so that's another potential uh, loss there as well to kind of help move the Bulldogs up a little bit. And these are teams that are that already have two losses. With the Bulldogs, if they win with only one loss, could potentially jump up at least two more spots this week. Um, and you know, I, I don't know. What do you think, Jackson? Would the Bulldogs have enough to maybe leapfrog Utah State, even if Utah State doesn't lose a game? Yeah, the only way would be if some of these voters kind of rethink after seeing the, the college football playoff committee put Fresno State in and 
not Utah State at all, and these pollsters have Utah State at 18. They made the they wait a minute, what are they seeing that I'm not? Um, but typically in the AP poll, it's kind of reactionary to move teams up that win, drop teams that fall. And, um, <laughs> yeah, the only thing that might get Fresno State in there is if they knock off Boise and San Diego State pretty considerably, they might pop them there. Okay, so here's another scenario. Utah State goes into Hawaii, barely beats them by three points. Bulldogs annihilate them, had full control of that game. Do does that kind of open up the eyes a little bit? Yeah, that could play a role as well. And they're close enough to where something like that could make a difference. That eighteen and twenty, um, you're not talking about a huge gap there to make that leap. Yeah. So that you know, that that's we're not gonna we're not gonna take too long on this because we could sit here all day and come <laughs> up with all kinds of different scenarios. So I think we're gonna go ahead and start wrapping up the show here. Unless you got something else you want to kind of break into right before we close this off. Uh, what else you got there, Jack? Uh, just covering the football team. I've been out of practice this week, talking to players and coaches. Have those interviews up uh, shortly. Um, was out of basketball practice. There's a big in-depth basketball report. They open up with an exhibition on Friday and their season opener on Tuesday. Uh, so it's about time for basketball season as well. Um, hitting up the recruiting. There was a lot of basketball activity this last weekend. Um, football had some visitors for their game, so trying to get a hold of all those recruits and um, get the latest on who the next Bulldogs might be and what they'll bring to the table. And I was just about to ask you, basketball looks like some of the recruiting is starting to heat up a little bit. They had some of the recruits at Fresno yeah. State football game, mm-hmm. and it seems like the, the basketball team is starting to kind of uh, put it into another gear recruiting-wise. You expect some uh, commits coming up here uh, soon? Yeah, they're up to two now, and they've had a couple of visitors. They think they've got a good shot at. Some of those kids will take their other visits and come to their decision first. But, uh, yeah, Fresno State, they've got two really good ones and a chance to add another one or two here pretty soon. Now, next week, uh, when we start doing our podcast next week, uh, I believe we're going to start uh, devoting a segment of the podcast towards basketball as well. So uh, stay tuned for that as basketball season starts to do its what we like to call it's crossover with (laughs) football right now, which will make both Jackson and I very busy uh, covering um, both sports. So uh, if, if there's anything you guys want us to, to kind of uh, touch upon, feel free to send us a message both on the boards or send us a direct message through Twitter or even Facebook. And we'll do our best to try and address some of those questions. So that being said, you can find Jackson at uh, on Twitter at Jackson Moore, two, four, seven, uh, you can find him on the board as well. Just look for his name. And on Facebook, just go over to the BarkBoard.com uh, Facebook page. Just look up BarkBoard, and you should be able to find it there. We've officially reached 4,000 likes. We're now already into 4,100. So I'm posing another challenge. Now we're trying to get to 5,000 before <laughs> the end of the season. So uh, if you haven't done so already, head over to the uh, Facebook and give our page a like so that you can get all the latest news and updates that we are reporting on the website. Uh, it'll send you know, it'll be posted there for your uh, viewing pleasure and easy access back to the website. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Red Wave Report and throughout all the different platforms that we've already mentioned. Uh, so that being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again back next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.